0: Welcome to Hey YA Extra Credits. This short-form podcast will hit your feeds every week opposite the main Hey YA show, and the focus is on a separate Norma Klein book in each episode. Klein was an early YA writer doing work similar to that of Judy Bloom in the 1970s and 1980s. It pushed boundaries and dove into topics so few others were approaching at the time. I'm your host, Kelly Jensen. You can get a complete schedule of the books to be discussed in the show notes, and at the very end of this short podcast. I'll also note what the next book will be and the date that that episode will drop so you can join along. Um, Consider it like a book club. You can hop in along the way. You can save them all up until you get your reading in. Um, It's worth noting that some of these books can be a little bit difficult to track down, so give yourself some time if you want to read along as I'm reading along with them. Um, The first book, today's talk, is on domestic arrangements and this one was actually re-released by Lizzie Skernick Books in 2014. So if you haven't picked it up and you decide you want to, this one's pretty easy to track down. Um, it was originally published in 1981 and then republished in 2014, like I mentioned. And in the repackage and republish edition, um, Judy Bloom actually wrote an introduction to the book and to Norma Klein's work more Broadly, um, I'm not going to actually read it, but she uh, talks a little bit about how Norma was a prolific writer, that she um, and Norma were good friends, that they were doing some really similar work, and that it's really unfortunate that Norma Klein died when she was only 50 and was unable to continue writing the way that she was writing and on the topics that she was writing on. So, uh, before I dive into the things I want to talk about with domestic arrangements, and uh, as sort of an introduction to giving what the book is about, I want to read the Kirkus Review. Um, and it should I should note early in the show that I can't use all the language that the book or the review use because... Uh, we want to maintain a family-friendly rating here, so I will be using some creative, creative language to cover some of the some of the other words used. Um, when the book came out, Kirkus hated it, and the review that Kirkus gave is so funny that it's worth worth reading. Um, it's really interesting to read this now, having read the book. This is the second time I've read it, and I completely disagree with everything Kirkus says. And I also wonder whether this sort of review for this book would be the same in today's era. Um, They think this book has sort of stood the test of time. Certainly there are topics and themes in here that might not be as as relevant today as they were um, in the early 80s, but a lot of the bigger topics in here certainly are. So the Kirkus review reads, what goes on in the mind of a sexually active 14-year-old Manhattan girl who becomes an overnight star in an R-rated moxie, whose actress mother and somewhat old-fashioned father have lovers on the side, and whose unimpressed boyfriend seems to want only one thing? Well, she feels either lousy or great, and that's about it, according to Klein's latest trend mill, which is obviously under the Brookshields Shields' influence. When we first meet heroine Rusty, however, she's not a star— But she is beautiful, unlike her plain Jane sister, Deal, who's into causes. And she is appreciated fully by 16-year-old Joshua, whom she really likes. They F a lot, even though Daddy's unhappy about it. Mother thinks, quote, the whole thing's normal as blueberry pie, end quote. And Rusty even acquires her very own diaphragm. Yes, folks, it's one of those normal Klein households where everything's talked about honestly, even if mother is a bit embarrassed with her lover in the house and daddy doesn't flaunt his. In the meantime, Rusty's movie, She Got the Role by Chance, is a hit and it happens to be all about two teenagers who have a good pure love while their parents switch partners. The new star goes to Hollywood for publicity, compares love troubles with their co star, a nice homosexual. There are interviews on People and on TV, but Rusty really wants to chuck it all, even a bigger contract role in, new, in a new Lolita. She wants to be an obstetrician someday. And while making this noble move, her on and off feelings for Joshua will come together. He finally understands that there will be no sex unless she really wants it. The degree in juvenile trendiness in the absolute bottom of the pseudo-hip barrel. Blah baloney. So that was that was Kirkus's um pretty impassioned take about how much they dislike this book and certainly uh as you can kind of gather from the description Kirkus gives yeah there's some wild and outrageous premises going on here uh so the the story does follow a 14-year-old her name is Tatiana but she goes by Rusty because she has this long really noteworthy hair and this is a thing that will come up again and again in the book um so Rusty has this boyfriend named Joshua, and they enjoy having sex. They have it a lot. Uh, This is not hidden or shied away from at all. And um, Rusty doesn't understand why her dad, who's a little bit old-fashioned, I wouldn't call him super old-fashioned, but uh, he's more conservative than her mother is. He is not super keen into their relationship um, being as physical as it is. So the story starts when Rusty is telling the reader, that her dad caught her and Joshua having sex in the bathroom one night. Uh, He had fallen asleep at her house and went into the bathroom. She went in there. She and him started having sex and then they woke up her father who knocked on the door, Rusty claimed she was washing her hair at 3 a.m., and the whole sort of lie about what was going on unravels, um, and that's sort of our introduction to Rusty and Joshua and their relationship, as well as Rusty's relationship with her father. Um, she's not especially embarrassed about what happened. She's obviously upset she got caught, but she's not, like, ashamed that she was caught having sex with her boyfriend. Um so we get that scene, and then shortly after, we kind of get the backstory on Rusty and what, what she's doing to fill her time, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, her mom is a former film star who still has some acting roles, but she's not at the top of her game in the way she once was, and her father um, is also in the film business. So the the family is in, in uh, Hollywood in some capacity, but um, Rusty doesn't really have any interest in it, and her sister Delia doesn't have any interest in it either. Um, Delia is very much a, um, I guess, the best way to describe her. Kirkus calls her, you know, one interested in the causes. She's just a very, like, socially conscious teen character, and it's interesting to think about How her character would be read today. Where we have a whole host of awesome, really socially conscious and aware teen characters in YA. Um, Delia kind of gets short shrift in this particular book. Um, Not from Klein, but from Rusty, who tells the story. So we only get her perspective. But from the outside, we know that there's more to Delia than we're sort of being given from Rusty's perspective. So... Rusty lands this role in a film called Domestic Arrangements, and it's about adults who are not in the best sorts of relationships and pursuing additional relationships into the beyond the ones that they're currently having. And um, Rusty has this particularly poignant, I don't think is the word I want, but she has this moment in the film where she is almost nude. And this was a big deal. She's got this nude scene. She's 14. It's in this major film. And she knows and her family knows that when this film is finally released, that this might cause a little bit of a stir. Like it might get weird at school. It might get weird just around town. Um, it might get get weird. Um, and certainly it does. That's exactly what happens. And Rusty starts to worry about what her reputation might be at school. Now she's she and Joshua have been open about their relationship. She's not shy about having sex with him, but she is a little bit worried what people will think because they've now seen her in this role, this really mature role. Um, and and worse, she is worried and rightfully so that, Many are going to conflate her character with Samantha, the character in the film itself. And she vehemently denies she's the same person. And anybody who's reading this will see they're not the same person at all. Um, But she's 14. She is 14-year-old classmates. Like, it's hard for this not to be seen. Uh, Sort of that, like, why did she get this role without trying out? Um, There must have been something that she related to or that the casting director saw in her that related to the character she played. Um, The film ends up really causing a lot of challenges in her relationship with Joshua. So um, right before the film comes out, there's this scene where Rusty is talking with her mother and having this very open and honest conversation about sex and relationships. Now, Rusty's on and off with her father about the sex um, she's having with Joshua. Her dad thinks it's inappropriate, thinks that there's no such thing as young love, and that like her feelings towards Joshua aren't real and aren't going to last. Whereas Rusty feels opposite um, in a way that many teenagers who have their first love sort of feel. Um, we see her being really impassioned about this relationship and knowing that Joshua's going to be with her and going to be there for her through this major transition she's going through with this film and this um, place where she is going to sort of be in the spotlight. Um, That has its ups and downs. She can't predict that, of course, but she is very vehement in her relationship with Joshua being what it is. So when she talks with her mother about her relationship, her mother is in a totally different headspace. Uh, she wants Rusty to get a diaphragm, which is what Rusty wants to do, so that she and Joshua can have a sexual relationship and not have to worry about uh, becoming pregnant or um, dealing with any sexually transmitted infections, anything like that. And uh, so she gets fitted for one, she gets one, and this becomes a big deal in her life and something that comes up again and again through the uh, publicity that happens for domestic arrangements. And it also conflates this idea of Rusty being the same character as the teen girl in the movie. So after the movie comes out, there is a lot of publicity for domestic arrangements. And this includes some television spots, some phone interviews, and uh, magazine coverage, it also includes a trip that um, Rusty is sent out to L.A. to do some more publicity and also to meet with another director who is interested in having her play the role of Lolita in an upcoming re-adaptation of Lolita. During her first interviews, though, uh, Rusty doesn't hide anything and um It's really quite cringeworthy what she says on screen and and how open and honest she is, only because we know she's 14 and she's saying things like, um, she has a diaphragm, she got it for Christmas, she and her boyfriend Joshua have this sexual relationship, she's in love with him, he's in love with her, um, there's also this line she says uh, when asked like how doing the nude scene was in the film, and she says something along the lines of "Oh, we're always nude at home, so it was no big deal." That's not really what she meant, and her father ends up being really, really angry with her about her saying this. But again, we we reflect as readers and go, "She's 14. We know that's not what she said," but yet like. We know she said it, it's on national news, and this is going to explode into something much bigger than it really and truly is. Um, so so it's interesting you're watching this 14-year-old girl figure out her own life as a 14-year-old girl growing up in Manhattan, having this boyfriend and having this relationship with them, while also trying to navigate being who she is as a person who is now in this role on a film that is making waves and has become a big deal um I was really struck the thing that really really struck me in this book is that the adults in it are especially manipulative um I mentioned earlier that I've read this before and that didn't stand out to me before but this time as I read it I could not get over how manipulative the adults were being towards her um Not so much her parents. They were there being parents. um, Maybe not always making the best decisions for her, but I think they were coming at it with the best intentions that they could. Whereas the adults who were helping publicize the film, who were interviewing her, who were um, trying to convince her to do additional films after this first one, were super manipulative and also sort of downright creepy. Um, There was so much focus on this nude scene that kept coming up again and again in the interviews and then the fact that she was being cast for a potential Lolita remake was also strange and manipulative and when Rusty finally decides that domestic arrangements was going to be the only thing she did, that she didn't really want a career in film, this was just something that happened by a number of extenuating circumstances, Um, some of these adults were telling her that she was really tossing her natural ability out, that um, they were surprised she would give up something she was obviously so talented at. Um, And it, it really struck me how this happens. Like this is, this is realistic. There are adults who, when a teenager does something that they're uh, especially talented at, they can try to convince that teen to pursue it more seriously. Um, obviously in this particular case, it's a little bit different because there's also this strange, uncomfortable, um, issue with adults being really overly interested in a young girl's body, and especially her um, nude body, and why they keep focusing on it. And I think Klein does a really great job of making the reader uncomfortable with this in a way that Rusty is maybe too naive to sort of understand. Um, She doesn't see the big deal of having sex with her boyfriend, and she's very open about it, but she doesn't necessarily see why it's a big deal that she is Becoming well known for this nude scene, um you know she did it, it happened, but the adults are very fixated on this and want to know more and and keep asking these questions that are totally inappropriate um, we We see that as as readers, but we see it too from the perspective of wanting to protect Rusty to sort of allow her that naivete. Throughout, Like we want her to be smart and make good choices, but we also want her to be, um, not grossed out by the adults who are asking her these questions or behaving this way toward her. Uh, and we also kind of like, I wanted to punch some of these dudes because they were gross. They were so gross. Um, and that's really the best way I can put it. Um, I, I even have a note, like I I'm flipping through the pages. Um, There's this particular section. I'm just going to read it because it kind of captures what I mean when I say that these adults are manipulative and gross. Um, So, Rusty is talking with the the men. Uh, It's two men who want to recruit her for this role in Lolita. And here's what they here's a short scene. I should note after this scene. This is near the end of the book. Rusty really sort of has that aha moment of what these adults are really seeing her for, as opposed to sort of um, allowing herself not to see it. Um, Anyway, so uh, this is from page 273 for anyone who's in the Lizzie Skernick edition. As we walked back to the clubhouse, I said, quote, "'Usually I wear a bra. I mean, for tennis,' end quote. I just thought they ought to know that with a bra I'd feel more comfortable.' "'Why?' Jim asked. "'Well, it's just more comfortable. "'If you play without a bra, you jiggle around.' "'Well,' he smiled at me. "'You jiggle beautifully.' "'I felt uneasy. "'But in a movie that wouldn't be good,' I said. "'Would it?' "'It would be perfect. "'Does it make you uncomfortable?' "'I thought of how Mom said "'Men always like to look at women's breasts "'and you shouldn't mind.' "'Sort of,' I admitted.' If you're a movie star, you're going to be the object of a lot of men's fantasies, he said. That's what movies are. Suppliers of fantasies for the masses. They are? I didn't know that. Anyway, Jim went on. It's not that different from life. In life, you must be used to men ogling you and... I shook my head. No, I'm not. They never do. He smiled again. They must, Tatiana. I don't think so, I blurted out. The whole conversation was making me feel awful. I wondered if that's what Jim had been doing while I was playing tennis, ogling me, and I didn't even know it. I just thought he wanted to see how I played tennis. Tatiana, Jim said. I looked up startled. I guess I was sort of in a daze. "Uh Uh-huh. You look... worried about something. I took a deep breath. Was that what you were doing before? "'Ogling me?' I asked. "'I was trying to look at you through the eyes of the typical American male,' Jim said. "'Horny, dumb, and 5 foot nine, Greg muttered. "'But you didn't even care about my tennis. You just wanted to see me jiggle around?' "'You know, it's an interesting metaphysical question,' Greg said. "'Which would one prefer to be, the ogler or the ogly?' And I think I'm going to stop there. Um, I am going to jump to the next page because I I feel like this is a really, really great indicator of Tatiana's voice and sort of her coming to understand what her role in the film served and uh, where and how that might relate to her more broadly just as a teenage girl in the world. While I was getting ready for dinner, I kept thinking of that word, ugly. It sounded so much like ugly, Even though, in a way, it means the opposite if it is a real world. Real word. I'll ask Deal. She'll know. She always knows things like that. I don't think I want to be an ugly. I don't care what mom says. I don't like it when men look at me that way, like I was a thing. It's different if Joshua looks at me that way because he loves me. I guess I felt bad because it seemed they cared just as much or maybe more about seeing how my breasts jiggled than if I had a good singing voice or if I can act. If I'm an actress, then how can I then how I act should be the main thing, shouldn't it? I really love too that she brings it back to Josh and sort of this innocence that she has surrounding their relationship. Um, certainly it's a mature sexual relationship, but at the heart of it, it's really innocent. Um, she really does have these intense feelings for Joshua, and as we see throughout, Joshua has these same intense feelings for her. There's a really romantic to uh romantic moment near the end of the book I won't won't spoil that um sort of really gets to the heart of how he feels about her too um their relationship has obvious ups and downs particularly when the film comes out but um I couldn't help really feel how much teenagerness there was to it and just sort of that innocence and playfulness and curiosity that exists in that real first relationship many teens have um and and feel nostalgic about when they grow up. Um I I think it would be interesting to have Tatiana revisit the story as an adult and how she felt about everything. Um obviously we won't get that, but um this is a sort of book that makes you want to follow the characters ten years later, twenty years later and just see where they are and what they think about this particular moment in their lives. Um I mentioned at the top of the show and something that came in the Kirkus review. Um there's a lot of profanity in this book. Um it's not sex, it's not making love, it's another word that's four letters long and starts with an F um over and over and over again. And I I was really struck by that and how sort of um Tatiana uses it freely, her parents use it freely, and it really reflects sort of the open and honest feelings that they have about sex. Um, her father doesn't use the word quite as much, in part because they think her father has different feelings about what sex is and what it should be. Um, so it's, it's interesting to see that play out in the language they use. And it's also interesting to see it in terms of uh, the relationships that her parents have extramaritally. So both her mom and her dad are having extramarital relationships that come to a head at the end of the book um, in a way that might be surprising. Um, I was a little bit surprised the first time I read it, and then the second time I read it, uh, knowing how her parents' character arcs developed throughout the story, uh, it was a little bit less surprising to me. I think I'll just and by reading a couple of lines that really struck me um i had annotated this book prior to reading it for this podcast and noticed that i had marked some lines that stood out to me so um i will read those and then as well as the ones that i i noted this time um one that i really really love near the end of the book um it's from Joshua or sorry no it's from Tatiana and she says wanting to please everybody and ending up doing the things I know Let me let me start that again. You got to love like live recording a podcast sometimes you start to read something in the in the mis- in the middle um No, not at all, I tried to explain, about how I feel my parents put pressure on me in different ways, like wanting me to be in Lolita, or Daddy wanting me to break up with Joshua. But it's different with your parents, Joshua said. Yeah, but it's the same issue, don't you see, Josh? Wanting to please everybody, and ending up doing the things I know are wrong for me. Um, I love that. I love this moment Tatiana has of, coming into herself and knowing that she's not always going to agree with her parents or agree with what other people think think she should do um and sometimes she has to act what she feels uh is the best way for her to act rather than what everybody else wants from her there's a great line at the beginning this is what I marked early on um it's from her mother and it says i mean doing good is so dreary At least doing bad is inventive. I don't know if I agree with that line. Um, In some context, sure, but um, I just thought it was a really interesting line that really captures her mother and the sort of um, perspective she has about parenting and perspective she has about her own relationships. Um, Klein does a really great job of really fleshing out all of her characters. So we know all of them quite well. We know her dad really well. We know her sister. Um, I wish we got more of the sister, but uh, again, since it's from Tatiana's point of view, we're not going to get it all. Um, We get to know Joshua quite well. And um, even in these just tiny little lines, we really get to know the characters. Um, So... One of the directors on domestic arrangements has this line a little bit in the book that says, um, Juan Martinez took the charge, took the change. Everyone should have one moment of glory, he said. I lied. This is not not the director. This is a, a cab driver. So there's this whole subplot about Um, how Tatiana's dad is um, not interested in spending money. He won't pay for cabs. He won't pay for transportation. He'd rather walk. And um, she convinces her dad to take a cab back home one night. Um, And this is what the cab driver, Juan Martinez, says. uh, Everybody should have one moment of glory. And um, right before that, he says, I had my moment of glory, right? I mean, lots of people. They spend their whole lives waiting. I had it. So they can't take that away from me, can they? This comes early in the book, it's page 60, and really sort of captures what happens with Tatiana throughout the book. Um, it's a nice little bit of foreshadowing, and also, um, you know, later on, he says something about how Tatiana is gorgeous and pretty, so he plays into that male gaze situation as well. But, um, that particular line was, was a good one. Um, one thing as I'm flipping through the book, one thing I, that did bother me throughout was, um, Tatiana's fixation on weight and body size. Um, this was something that came up again and again. She talked about people's weight. She talked about their size. She talked about her father losing weight. She talked about being, you know, the perfect size, this, that, and the other thing. Um, she has makes fun of some of the people in her life by their size. And um, so anybody who doesn't like that, um, just beware going in. And also know that like it's not going to be challenged. Um, this is Tatiana's perspective. It might not be the right perspective. I don't think it is. But um, that's an interesting way she operates. And it's interesting to think of it, too, in terms of... Um, being part of the Hollywood machine and and how that plays into her own perspective and understanding of what bodies look like and what she believes the ideal body looks like. Oh, there's I'm going to read one more line before I I sign off on this one. Um, Age is very, very funny in here sometimes um, when it's not cringeworthy. And in this particular moment, uh, Tatiana and Joshua are talking about, um, her mom and dad and, um, specifically her mom having this relationship with a younger man named Simon, who, um, is a director that she met. This is the, the man that she has an extramarital affair with. And, um, as somebody who's in her mid thirties, this like legitimately made me laugh out loud. Um, Joshua side, listen, you might be right, Rust, I don't know. How about your mother? Isn't it a thrilling, important, meaningful experience for her, too? Relating to sex, of course. Will you quit making fun of my parents? I'm not. I like your mother. I thought about it for a minute. Maybe she's in love with Simon. Joshua didn't say anything. I guess she must be. Well, what makes you think that? Well, she really loves Daddy, so if she did it with someone else, it would mean she loved that person more. For some reason. Maybe she's just horny. Joshua, she's 39 years old. Don't 39-year-olds get horny? No, not in that way. I don't know. I have a feeling that 39-year-olds uh, can still get horny, but um it's hilarious. It's such a perfect look at how 14-year-olds think that, you know, anything over a certain age is is old is essentially not having a human experience. Um, I think that's where I want to sign off on this one. Um, I was pleasantly surprised how much I was invested in it the second time around. I'm not usually a rereader. I love these little moments where we really get insight into the characters, even in a line or two. Um, I was really caught by just how manipulative adults are to to young people, both in terms of like, in really gross ways, um, in, in the ways where the male gaze really takes over and puts Tatiana in this gross, uh, place, but also just in how parents talk to their kids, um, you know, her, Tatiana's father trying to tell her that she and Joshua don't have a real relationship, that it's not going to last, and, um, trying to convince her that it's not worth having this relationship that she wants to have, um, rather than sort of allowing her to experience it however it comes. So um, I would, you know, I would I would put this on the list of, of oldies but goodies. Again, written in 1981, Kirkus hated it. Um, and I, I, I think that they were right in saying that um, under the Brooke Shields influence. I totally see that, but I think it also is doing precisely what it should be doing in critiquing sort of the way Brooke Shields' career and moments and and that whole era in the um, late 70s and early 80s um, played out. You know, this is funny and um, also sharp. And um, as much as it is, you know, quote, pseudo-hip, blah-baloney, um, it's actually much deeper than that. It, it really sort of gives a perspective of a 14-year-old and lets us see the ins and outs of what that looks like. Um, she is a middle-class Manhattan teen girl, so you're going to get that perspective rather than um, anything else. But, um, I was also, uh, I didn't even mention this, there are a couple of queer characters in the book, and it's mentioned casually. It's, um, Tatiana and her coworker have a conversation about relationships, and he is a gay man talking about, um, his partner, and it's again nineteen eighty one this is like not a big deal at all. It's just the way it is. Nobody questions it and um I thought that was pretty pretty awesome to see so um, I know that that's gonna show up again um in another one of klein's books but um this was a great great place to start and to see it so um with that i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap the show up and just say thanks for tuning in to Hey, YA extra credit um Next week, we'll have a full episode of the main podcast with Eric. Um, actually, I have a special guest next week, not Eric, but I'm going to leave that as it is. Um, Eric is on a much-deserved break, and I have a super-secret, super-special guest. Um, but we'll, the main podcast will be next week, and then you'll hear the next episode of Hey, Y, Ex- Extra Credit the week after that. So that'll be June 19th. And the book I'll be talking about that week is Family Secrets. So if you want to grab a copy, uh, grab it now. And I will talk to you again next week on The Full Show and in two weeks to talk about Family Secrets. Bye.